Uh, yeah, thanks so much for tuning in. And last Friday was a bit of a rough day. And I'm glad to be back on sharing more information. Taking a deep dive. Family and have some new stories so last week had a lot of technical difficulties quite embarrassing started a couple of times and then and it was just it was one of those days. So I wanted to replay it in full today. Also provide some more. Speak about. So this is a couple weeks ago with talk about Heart Really important organization. Folks, many folks have come together. Alternatives to so so this talk is going to be about 32 minutes and play some more music on news items share with you all and also on our website weeklyrecord.org uh, we have like a lot of links there so interview and. Great. So, thanks for joining us. If you'd please uh, like to introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure. Um, and thanks for having me on. Uh, my name is Adriana Camarena. Uh, I am with. I work with the family of Luis Gongora Pat um, with our organization Justice and Honor for Luis Gongora Pat. Uh, Luis was homeless at the time that he was murdered by two San Francisco police officers on April 7th, 2016. And um, a, a few months back, uh, I think it was almost a year back, we started conversations about this, but uh, we joined up with a broad coalition of organizations who responded to a call from the police. It actually came from, from the police commission to 
establish an alternative response to homelessness. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is how I joined up with this group that has now recently put out a report, a community plan for a compassionate alternative response team to end policing of homeless populations. Yes, yeah, I was looking at the website, which folks can find at cartsf.org, and there's a, there's, a, there's, a lot, there's a lot there, and it's also definitely long overdue and really grateful for all the folks who have put it together. So I thought we could just maybe start talking about the, the summary. I, it looked like that folks were going around actually talking with folks who are unhoused about what's needed for them, um, which of course is the best way to go about things. So I thought maybe we could start there and talk about how the the plan came into being. Sure, and um, yeah, and, and just as a broad overview, so we see where the community survey comes in. Um, there's, uh, we did a community survey with unhoused um, neighbors to understand what they would like to see in the compassionate alternative response and the team that they would like to see happening. And we also did a lot of background research into what other programs exist. Mm. And did our own research also with the city, uh, separate to that, um, with the Department of Emergency Management in particular, to understand how calls come in, how they could be diverted to a new response. So that's kind of like the broad strokes of the, of the project. But the survey specifically, um, it is really interesting because we learned um, that one of the primaries, of course, our unhoused populations have suffered a lot of police abuse, especially uh, related even to the contact that happens between the DPW uh, responding to encampments accompanied by police. And, um, and they would obviously benefit and want an alternative response to policing. Um, so one of the first things that they would love to see is, you know, more resources so that they yes. can get out of a condition of home homelessness. Right, right. Right. Um, but the other thing that very strongly came up is that they would also uh, informed us about who they would want to have on the team responding. And they do would ask that people who have actually experienced conditions of homelessness be mm -hmm. part of these teams. Yes. Mm hmm. So those are some of the things that, that we learned from the survey. Um, and they also helped shape the some of our core values around um, making sure that there was a, there was a compassionate uh, response that we uh, made sure to en engage towards providing resources in those contacts. Um, and that it should be, you know, a free of charge confidential, voluntary, non-threatening, non-punitive, and life-affirming process for people uh, who are engaged. Um, and part of the question around having people who, and I'll go a little bit into the, um, the specific services that we would like to see, but mm -hmm. they were also very interested in making sure that part of the process is around educating people who are actually calling the police. <laughs> yes, yes. So that's around the community survey, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and making sure that they get the assistance that they need rather than enter another process of criminalization. Right, right. Yeah. Yes, it's certainly frustrating. I like run out of the, the words to use, but just how frustrating it is to see people uh, want to further criminalize folks who are unhoused. So it's disgusting. 
It is, and you know, it kind of um, it's a little bit of a segue into the research we did on dispatch, mm -hmm. um, because we we knew that what we needed to do is um, engage uh, from the point of a public answering of nine one one calls. We needed to catch calls that would be a good for the programming for a new alternative response. And I don't know how much um, listeners may know about dispatch, but we learned a lot. <laughs> yeah. And um, and general calls are are separated out into what they call A, B, and C priorities. And mm -hmm. what it really means is like it's a, a grade of how urgent the response needs to be. Uh, the target time for an A priority response time has to be seven minutes. You know, for mm -hmm. a B priority has to be twenty minutes, and for a C priority is an hour. Uh, so there's more flexibility. So based on also other programs that exist, we knew that um, we were actually looking initially at the C priority calls. And then we started looking at the data with the Department of Emergency Management and 45% of the calls, C priority calls, come in on a range of issues that um, would be called 917 calls, which are uh, suspicious person, uh, 916, yeah. suspicious vehicle, 601s, mm. which are trespassing, and you also have others, uh, the 919s, which are the SIP law ordinance. These are your, yeah. uh, the, your, the bulk of your C priority calls, right, the 45% of these calls. Yeah. And so when they did a sampling of like the 601s and 917 calls, they realized that they, they are actually the mud, like 50% to the two thirds of those calls are homelessness related. Mm. So when you talk about the 601 call trespassing, what it may actually mean, a C priority call, is someone sleeping in a doorway. Mm. Or, or when you uh, have a, a call about a 917 suspicious person, it might just be a homeless person on the street. Yes. And so though that became really interesting to us because right now um, the city I should say, has initiated a program also called the Street Crisis um, uh, Response Team or Intervention Team. Uh, it's called S uh, Street. Okay. And, and what it does is operates out of the, um, uh, it operates out of the uh, fire department, but mm -hmm. it only responds to 800 calls, which are the mental health calls. Mm. So what we're suggesting that this new program do is that we should have our own hotline also, but also get 911 calls diverted both from the overflow from yes. the street calls, but also this other number of calls that I've been mentioning, which we could really provide an alternative response rather than the police showing up in situations where they can't actually do anything. Right. Anything, and anything often, good. <laughs> and oftentimes make it worse. And oftentimes escalate, wrongly escalate. Yes. Um, yes. it, it damage people's lives because they criminalize them further. They don't give them the support they need. They traumatize them. And as you know, and I've even heard officers say that they shouldn't be the ones responding to to homelessness related incidents. So there, I, I, I believe that there's a lot of space around these calls to create an alternative response. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. You you tell me, Roman, uh, how you want to do this, but I can oh. go on and on, you know. <laughs> oh, I'm happy, I'm happy to listen. There's so much to learn. So wherever you feel like you'd like to go next, you can talk about how you became involved with CART. Start. 
every single attack since we October 2016. And Luis, um, who was a Mayan indigenous um, worker who had fallen in, into a condition of homelessness after he was evicted from his house and the circumstances are un unknown about mm -hmm. how that happened. Um, but from all that we know, Luis got involved because they said they somebody saw a knife on him, and it actually it's a more complicated story. But just to give the context of how I got uh, help, but they saw a knife on him, weapon, they fired beanbag weapons, and firearm bullets, and they killed him. So I got involved because we've been the hotel, other hotels, companies um, for a very long time to take him. And so it was a natural fit for us to want to participate in the development of alternatives to policing around homelessness. And we joined up with the Coalition on Homelessness, but there are also a broad variety of uh, partners, and you can find them all on our page. Yeah. Uh, Live and uh, Community Housing Partnership, the uh, Lawyers uh, Com Committee for Civil Rights, uh, Code Tenderloin, and many other organizations. Um, uh, that have participated in the development of this community plan. Um, and right now, I should probably pitch that if anybody's interested, they should uh, look at the parksf.org website and find the email that you can write and say, I want to be part of the launching of this campaign um, to, have, to, to have an alternative. But that's how I got involved. And then it was, it was the process was very, very engaging, engaged multiple people from multiple organizations. It was very, yes. it was an amazing process where you're like you collaborate and get things done. It was amazing. But um, I ended up on the dispatch uh, subcommittee, but there were subcommittees for precisely the research uh, part that I can tell you a bit more about researching other programs that sure. were the people who did the community survey and there's a communications that set up the website and did and is actually leading us leading us in the our campaign right now to get city support to make the part happen. Um, so just a few more details around the research piece uh, that we is that we learned that from looking at other programs that there are two kind of elements and it matches up with what our unhoused population is doing the survey, which is that the service that Park could provide the primary model if people haven't heard about it is Cahoot which has been operating in Portland for like thir for 30 years. Oh. Um, and there are some other new efforts in Denver and here and there that um, also informed our project. Uh, but they do two things. One is to provide a response in person crisis, uh, and also provide community services. So the persons in crisis response, which is a team that goes out there, actually has first aid and non-emergency service training, they, they provide uh, substance addiction referrals and emergency resources, uh, they uh, transportation to hospitals and service providers if needed, they are skilled in de-escalation and prevention and interpersonal conflict resolution, and can provide street counseling and mental health uh, referrals. They also are trained in suicide prevention. Um, so, but we knowledgeable about the resources at hand and being able to refer people to those resources is a big part of, of the piece. 
And then the other part is um, community strengthening, which actually means having a, having a role in educating people who are calling the police uh, mm -hmm. on unhoused populations. And the idea is to create neighborhoods of compassionate responders. And, and the most important thing, as many people have already pointed out, having a lion to have an option. Because if you don't have yes. an option, it all ends up going back to 911 and never, right. never leaves, right? Yeah. Um, and so as part of this, uh, you know, the, it's working communities, working with the unhoused populations, and also working with the city authorities who are getting these calls so that eventually we also identify uh, these group of calls that we, we also train with mm -hmm. careful thought and, and analysis um, in terms of what we are learning continuously. Um, but it is an idea of like, stop seeing them as policing calls, which you know police come from a, a mindset of a criminalization, and mm -hmm. actually start seeing them um, as analytical tools for how right. to react to a certain situation. Already the 800 number is mm -hmm. being assigned, uh, sorry, 800 dispatch code is being assigned the medical dispatch code called the 25 Alpha Zero. So that right now, um, the calls that are being authorized for search, they call themselves search and not street, <laughs> search, um, that city responders is actually getting both codes. And eventually, the idea is that you only use a medical code. So we'll be, we're suggesting that we will be working with the Department of Emergency Management so that these two priority calls right now that are, you know, 6119 or 917, uh, uh, a suspicious person are more adequate, adequately coded um, mm -hmm. to reflect the situation of a person under severe situation of human rights violation already <laughs> who needs support. Yes. Um, so that's a little bit more of what I can tell you about the research bit. And I guess um, a, a question that also comes up often is like, what, what does it cost? What, what does this cost? And so right now, based on other programs, um, we are considering that this will be a $6.8 million project. Um, and the city for this uh, project already has on their board um, a million dollar budget because it was discussed from the from the sorry and I think I think it's that the police commission has issued a resolution it's the board of supervisors who had issued uh, a resolution calling for mm -hmm. an alternate response and so they are holding this fund and so now what we would like to see especially as we face how police response and space in part is that we would want that that alternate response be funded from police uh, yes. Uh, uh, budgets, you know, like take that budget from the police and give it to this new program. Definitely. <laughs> There's plenty of it. There's plenty of it, and this is just really, literally a drop in the bucket. But of yeah. course, we're not stopping there. What we standing by is that we need less police, and that mm -hmm. police budget should be cut significantly, part yes. of it, to, to serve part, but also to valuable solutions. Right. And, um, so, um, go ahead. Oh, no, please go ahead. Um, I, I, I guess in my, I started thinking about, um, I started thinking about 
sorry, everyone, I got distracted. <laughs> There's a uh, hundred things I could tell you, but let me know what what is. I mean, all of it is interesting, which I know doesn't really narrow it down too much. Um, I guess we could we could talk about like the next steps then. Sure. So we have done our a little bit more detailed information about each uh, all these areas of the community plan that I've talked about. You can find a link to our, our press conference on the CART website. Um, but we are asking that if people are interested in joining the CART effort, that they write, they contact us at CART, C-A-R-T, at, at the Coalition of Homeless SF, that's CART, at ohsf.org um, and mention that you would like to join the, the campaign. Um, and also for, uh, for other media, if they're interested, we'd be very happy to answer their questions because right now we're, we're gonna, we need to, last year, as you all remember, there was a big call to disband SFPD. But part yes. of the problem was that there wasn't tangible enough for people mm -hmm. to say this when you defund the SFPD and these areas of work that you would like to see um, attended by another group of people, skilled people, we it, it happened so soon that it wasn't effective. Now we have an alternative and mm -hmm. we need to work within the budget cycles. So we are asking people to join the effort now. Yes. And then as individuals, um, Please uh, talk to your supervisors and tell them how much you support this project. I know there's a police commission meeting tonight. Like, just hit them up and let them know that there's a support to defund the SFPD and support projects in this way. Yeah. So I, I have another question. What would be? What do you think are the biggest obstacles? Things that folks can really focus their energy on to really help help move on this. You know, I would say that it is precisely the the budget cycle. Nothing happens without this budget being approved through CART. Um, but once that happens, I think people are even more polarized and more hesitant to use it appropriately and track it appropriately. We will. We are suggesting to people that we will also be um, creating a, a working group, ongoing working group with the Department of Emergency Management does existing uh, search project. Uh, and we will be tracking these conversations with the public, so the more we can inform people. Yes. And, but at this very moment, the more you can engage in the, with your supervisors and, and um, the police commission around the need to uh, divert funding away from the police to alternative resources to policing, such as CART, that's mm -hmm. the main issue. Making a note. Oh yeah, because I think it's. I mean, it's also just so helpful because I do believe that there are a lot of folks who would like to help and want to be unsure of how to do so. So yeah. having concrete examples of what you can do And again, if you find an organization that would like to support this that project, we are we are gathering allies. Make this a very successful first effort. And there are other efforts that, that are going to come along. Um, the, the mayor has a working table that's also looking for the alternatives. 
So this is our that we would like to present that it is aligned and is with other projects oriented to um, developing finding several alternative solutions that support um, black and brown Are there other pieces of this you'd like to share? Or other um, topics? No, that's my main thing. I guess I could um, mention that there are other, I guess that's what I was going to say. There are other suggestions that we have in our report. Okay, um, yeah. Towards, uh, we are asking the fire officers when they breach existing policies that escalate situations. And yeah. we have other we would like to see the current response that the city has to the Eight Stop Center to homelessness. We would we're suggesting that they eliminate um, Eight Stocks because the whole all it has created is this police response alongside UPW to to encounter aggravated situations while diminishing the work of the outreach that we have. To if they just dedicated to the, themselves to what they originally were supposed to do, which is provide, provide resources and just referrals. And so we are um, looking at program. Can I ask a, a clarifying question? I heard uh, eight stocks. What is that exactly? So and that goes back to a little bit to it's back okay but so it's just created uh, i think it's called the center operating center um okay. and sorry homeless services operating center and what it ha happened is that before its creation and you know i don't know exactly but it, it is related to the to the to the passing of the, the fit light ordinance, um, mm -hmm. which stated actions that were prohibited by and mm -hmm. so um, the 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 response of because there started to be a flood of calls towards one around behind those before the fit light ordinance, but also that was designed for homeless people. You know, that kind of homeless people. <laughs> so with the eight this is the way that they start the H Doc Center directly through the C one one center. And then H Doc is supposed to provide the appropriate But what it has become is mostly a, a reaction about hiring police from UPW. And often, no, almost always accompanied by police. And so that has for people who are living on the street rather than create any improvement. And mm -hmm. it's just a shuffling of one over to the next without providing real solutions. So uh, that's why we're also Yeah, and this is all related to our the C one one that we're also suggesting that from now on all these 
919,000 just now. So we'll deal with it. Yes. And if DPW yes. has to be involved, we can call the sheriff's office. If not, we'll just have to do it. There it is. It'll take a, it'll take a village. It'll take a village of yes. people to, to, to work on this. And this is why one of the most important aspects of the project is to have built community and computer resilience around this so that we understand what are more appropriate responses to make sure that, and it is certainly not to make it safe for anybody who's suffering from severe human rights violations or lack yes. of housing and other ba basic necessities. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, what, uh, let me know if something else I've mentioned, but yeah, just uh, sometimes it's important to clarify we are talking right now about only a restoration from the street. Um, although there are some circumstances we could see it in in, in, in shelters. Um, mm -hmm. And while though we're only talking about two priority calls for the initial rollout, we are suggesting that we should sit down Look carefully at the standards in terms of these three priority calls, which which makes a lot to do with the specifications for bringing in a skill de-escalator. Um, yes, that is that is not from the police department to benefit the community. So that's something that having taken into account. Yeah, you you mentioned a few other organizations like there's one in Portland. You mentioned. And I was curious about other, either other organizations that you're aware of, um, in addition to the ones you mentioned, and or if there have been anything similar that had been done in the Bay Area in the past that we could either learn from or You know, the definitely the more the most important uh, is Kahoot, and we did have long conversations about what they had would have. Even what they would have changed starting out, and one of these things especially was to create our own set of hotlines. They had that they mm -hmm. really think that was important so that people could truly have an alternative to calling nine one one, and also that they also in the in the process have a better idea of what the situation is. But yeah, because it's with thirty years of experience. But with with this regard, um, Denver has. A rolling out open program, and uh, but it's all everything's at a very initial stage. So yeah. I would say that this would be a front-running uh, effort, um, not in terms of oh, there has been efforts uh, born from the community, on ongoing efforts to um, not call the police. <laughs> yes, uh, and another. Property sellers are people magazine, <laughs> you know. Um, a lot from them. Exactly, and so, but I would say that creating calls away from at the point of dispatch to an alternative would be a good step. But that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, there's it's a it's a lot there, and 
very it's feels good to have something to to hope for and to work towards. It's easy to point out what's wrong and what isn't working. It's so much more difficult to then take the action to create the type of world that we want to live in. So it is it's an inspiring sort of expectation. Yeah, and I think our our hope is that well this is this effort will Homeless, right? Mm -hmm. uh, alternatives to policing population, but we hope that once we see that there, folks can be accountable, there can be other um, efforts that are similar in terms of how else situations of suffering or or even conflict in the community where mm -hmm. we don't have. And again, there have been many times in Brussels that I've been there where you need to really stop the proximity to do um, Is there anything else you'd like to share? Either well, about I, CART or about Well, what I want to, I guess, just um, last thing I want to say is that this is a very inspired and inspiring. coalition efforts and so that you don't get anywhere. It's yeah. just one place where people really we start working right away and we worked with um, um, pretty quickly and also with a lot of enthusiasm and very little friction. I think it's because we've all been waiting for this to happen. <laughs> yeah. Can, yeah. So it can happen. This is an opportunity here to stay. Yeah. Oh, and it's uh, one more question, I guess, would be um, for, for folks perhaps in other cities who would like to start a coalition of their own to create this sort of thing. You know, our research did so much work that isn't even reflected in our report that I think they would be so happy to get a call. <laughs> oh, sure. I'm happy you know, to talk with you. With us, like, yeah. like, what didn't make it into the report that you found really interesting? Yeah, they even uh, looked at examples in Europe, you know, uh, how, how else can we never involve the police in these situations? So, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I think just try to see if there are other more. Uh, I know that there is some advice to people that come on website that may be on, on the report so that they can find uh, just what they're looking for. And I'm sure just like we got help from Cahoots um, and some other uh, other programs, we will be very happy to get it. Thank you so much. And thank you, Roman. Thank you for taking, especially at this really key moment where we yeah. really need to punch everybody. We need everybody to, <laughs> to propel this. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much.
message update. Eight start, eight start the healthy operation center and initiate operations. Um, and the public was oriented to use three one one on emergency to reach H SOC uh, after January. Sorry, sometimes the. Okay, it's going to take a bit of a music break here for a bit. We'll be back.
Step one is commitment. Taking a Also, sign up to accompany our teachers while they're learning. Google Docs form. And also, this. Brad will be completing the Sorry, Grace, I'm not Be sharing this right, you can also. Also, uh, sheriff's office is beginning to evict residents in San Francisco. Landlords and police are neighbors with the neighbors. Um, 
neighbors and invite them to our home. other options as well. Media, you can be supervisor at the sheriff's office. Take requests as needed. You can call or text food home person with Languages, um, so, so um, I mean, another way is to kill them. However, I would say that this is another way. Um, and also, just I mean, even pre-pandemic, the idea that moving to the folks together, and again, you know, good reminders are how they are right now. Show up and person on weeklyweb.org when we post days also post today. Okay. Um, also I am Prevailing ideas around social justice activism tend to focus on external work or external powers. Activism is rarely associated with activism and pleasure. Oh, question. Are identity a deep connection between activism and pleasure? How do we make social justice a pleasurable human experience? How can we awaken possible perception of Author, black feminist. Brown and talking about two thousand nineteen drawing on he thinks the ground rules better organizers, activists. Two, uh, four powerful and joyful conversations exploring how to full spectrum desires and emotional needs views of activists or movement. Adrian and Rose embrace the idea that activism register. They have a lot of public. Used to be in person online, which is the, the benefit is that not anyone. So it's starting at 6 p.m. Pacific time. It's $25 just a donation. That's happening tonight. I do believe they also 
save these things. Hopefully, listening to this in the future, and uh, check it out again. Check it out. Okay, so I'm gonna take another bit of a music break. Listen to Mutiny Radio. There are shows here every day of the week. And doing a show of your own. Please do it. We need more voices on the air. Go to mutinyradio.fm. Show here of your own. You get two hours a week to do whatever you want. We've got producers. We've got support. It's a cool business. So really have your voice out there. Okay. Here's some more music. Back then, let's see.
is a four and a half minute I was proud of working programs. Workers say their failed, treated like robots, and forced to work. Now these warehouse workers in Alabama are organizing video community. If I had the opportunity to talk to Jeff Bezos face to face, I would really want to ask him, have he ever worked in a warehouse before? Have he sweated for 10 to 12 hours a day and not being able to go to the restroom when he needed to go. On the issue of, um, of working conditions, I'm very proud of our working conditions. They got cameras, they watching us all the time. It's a lot of walking, it's a lot of fast pace, it's a lot of climbing upstairs. It's just a lot for the human body. It's tiring, it's consistent, it's, it's, it's fast speed, it's unsafe because you consistently working fast pace. 10 hours, only, only two breaks. They're getting treated like robots, and, and it's not fair because even robots break down sometimes. I have issues when ladies are talking about POT time, uh, time off task, when they have to go use the restroom. When they saying that the restroom could be on the other side of the building, that they have to take their walk so far and they're timing them. And when they run out of time, people are calling me emotional, like, Michael, I'm on last chance. They said it's extremely hot in there. They said they have had people to pass out because of the extreme hotness in there. Who get docked I get TOT time for going to the bathroom. Who get docked for going to, get, going, to, going to get water if you need water if you have to leave off your station? Oh now. I work on the line. I work in D camps, and I actually um, open packages and.